Welcome to episode 72 of Everything Sports with Aman and Evan. I'm your host, Amanad Carney. And I'm your co-host, Evan Garber. And we talk about the hottest topics in sports that occurred in the past week. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the U.S. Women's National Team moving on to the knockout stages, even though it was a tough road to get there. And then we're going to talk about fantasy football as it is upcoming. Most drafts will be done by the end of August, so we're going to give you all the tips. Fantasy Minute will be back as the season starts, and then obviously for basketball as well. And then we are going to talk about the Jonathan Taylor situation. Last week, we talked about the running back market as a whole. There is a fact that I'm going to share later on in this episode, so stay tuned for that. But this is just a nasty situation that's going on between Taylor Jim Irsay and the Colts. But before we get started, make sure to follow us on all social media platforms. Everything Sports with Thumbman and Evan is obviously our podcast name. You can find it on all social media platforms on screen right now if you're on YouTube or in the description if you're on Spotify and Apple. But U.S. Women's National Team, they were so close getting eliminated in the group stage obviously pacific time it was at midnight we were technically up right until midnight i wanted to stay up but i was too tired but i mean it was a struggle they nearly lost to netherlands faced a deficit there all teams beat vietnam so you figured that it was going to be between usa portugal netherlands Netherlands, they beat Vietnam by huge margins, so they topped the group, then United States, Portugal, and then obviously Vietnam came in last, but there's a lot of like isolated play going on with the U.S. women's national team. I get there's a lot of young players, but you still have Rose Lavelle, Lindsay Horan, Julie Ayers, Alex Morgan, like just to name a few, Crystal Dunn, all these experienced players. I feel like the forwards, they do need to help out a little bit more because there has been so many times where the other country has dribbled into our area and then Julie Ertz and Crystal Dunn, Naomi Grimma are there to save the day. But we easily could have been going home and not made it to the knockouts because... Let's not forget, it was a 0-0 draw the last game, and Portugal hit the goalpost in stoppage time. And had that gone in, it would be a different story. U.S. Women's National Team would not be moving on. Obviously, they are my pick to win it all. Because I think the cohesiveness that I thought was there is not there, but I feel like there's still some decent chemistry going on. So what is your reaction to how the U.S. Women's National Team World Cup bid is going so far. Yeah, I mean, going into it, uh, there were definitely lower expectations than usual than these past few World Cups, obviously, where U.S. has been completely dominant, the clear favorites by literally everyone, I feel like. But in this year, they're not exactly the clear favorites because, of course, their age from the old, from um, a lot of the top players and then, of course, they have a lot of youth on their team as well. Um, and, of course, chemistry was, again, another thing that was brought up because the past three World Cups, you had pretty much the top players. They, they were all there. 
they all played in most of them, if not all three of those World Cups. And there was just so much chemistry on those teams. Teams were amazing. But now you have some of them retired, some of them just not the same player that they were. And then the young players, they're they're trying their best, but it's just not working out. I mean, the offense is pretty lackluster, it seems like, most of the time. I mean, they get some good opportunities, but someone's not in the right place or someone mis miscommunicates or something. There's something off every single time, it seems like, when they have a great opportunity and they can't put the ball in the net most of the time. And that's obviously not going to win you any soccer games, no matter how good your defense is, because... I mean, once you get into the overtime or PKs, it's it's really anybody's game. Like anyone can win it at that point, and you don't want that if you're the U.S. You don't want to be pushing it into those PKs extra time when you know you can easily win it in regulation if you just play the team like they sh- have shown that they can. But it's just been a complete struggle so far this this year. I agree. There was, I feel like, again. They faced a deficit for the first time in 13 matches against Netherlands, which is already, that was eye-opening right there. And then Lindsay Oran got angered by her own club teammate, scored right after. That was a great sequence, but now it's anyone's game, single elimination. All that matters is you get the win. Honestly, at this point, doesn't matter. I always say this when it's playoffs for any sport. It doesn't matter how you get the win. You just need to win because in basketball, you win by 40 or you win by one point in the playoffs, it still counts as one game. And then same for hockey. If you win 10-0 or like 2-1 to one in overtime, you still got the win. And you get the point. So a win is a win. That's all that matters from now on and then till the finals because if United States win this World Cup, that would be three years in a row which would be absolutely insane never seen before historic scenes will happen if that actually is the case but without further ado let's move on to fantasy football obviously it is august 2nd there's so many question marks joe burrow is currently injured Brees hall is currently injured like these are sort of early round picks that are getting injured cooper cup went down yesterday uh, as we're recording this right now. And so you have all that stuff going on. Our league, we had the draft already. It was tricky. Jonathan Taylor, I'll say this. He fell to round four. Obviously, there's a lot of question marks. We'll talk about him later in this episode. There's a lot of question marks. Personally, I think he still plays week one because he gets traded. And the season is still one month away. I feel like... Maybe by the time we record the next episode, I feel like he's going to get traded. And that's just my opinion because they haven't been treating him well at all. And then in terms of fantasy, Justin Jefferson, the consensus number one pick amongst all leagues, I feel like McCaffrey almost went first, Cup almost went first, but I will say... At least my strategy is to stack up on running backs early because I feel like there's a drop-off, whereas you can still get a lot of great receivers in round four, round five, maybe even round six. And so 
feel like prioritize running backs. I know McCaffrey was almost the first pick in our league. You had the first pick. You can talk about it later. But McCaffrey was almost the first pick. I wanted Saquon Chubb because draft pick trading was enabled in our league, and I had two seconds. But because Saquon was picked literally right before me, I decided to go with Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, Nick Chubb, and then just take a risk on Jonathan Taylor. And B. John Robinson fell to the end of the second round, believe it or not, because he is a rookie. He hasn't, he's not proven at all. Obviously, everyone's like, oh, he could be the next Saquon, how Saquon broke out and everything. That might be true, but B. John Robinson is still a rookie, and he could explode, but it could also mean a Najee Harris-type bust. And I'll be honest, I'm trying to trade for him even before the season starts because, honestly, if Jonathan Taylor plays, I can easily trade him for a player way better than B. John Robinson. Like, I could get... I can get like a receiver one tight end of my choice or even a running back of my choice if Jonathan Taylor doesn't play. But because of the risk factor, if I get B. John Robinson, I'm going to trade him. But I feel like you should definitely prioritize running backs early on because there has been a drop-off, I feel like. So what is your reaction, draft strategy and everything? Yeah, I agree with you dropping the running backs early. Uh, I mean... I, like you said, I had the first overall pick, but I, ha- I had the third pick, uh, like third pick selections most of the time uh, because I did trade up for the first overall pick. But I did get stuck with Rashad White as my RB2 because I, I honestly did kind of forget about my RB2 for a little bit there. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's not great, but I think that if you play your cards right like I did, you can still survive with a guy like Rashad White as your RB2 because I did get Lamar Jackson, I did get Mark Andrews. So I feel like my team around is solid enough that I can still be very competitive with Rashad White as my running back too. But if you're not lucky like I am to get to get guys in those range, like get, get, get a good tight end like Mark Andrews, like Harris Kelsey, then you may want to go for the 2RB strategy early because – you need one of those positions in order to compete because the tight end position is just absolutely atrocious compared to, compared to years previous years where you had top two guys, top three guys maybe, but a complete fall off from there. And then running backs, uh, like you said, there's just so many question marks around them. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, of course, Bijan Robinson, even guys like CMC, will he be healthy again this year? Uh, I mean, there's so many question marks that you kind of just have to take a stab early and take the guys that you know you can rely on. Even Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs, he's even a question mark at this point. That's like, true. It seems like he will be traded, but who knows at this point? Uh, so, so, so many question marks. Like you said, I think you have, to go, you have to go running back first because the wide receiver depth is so great. And you could get a guy injured a wide receiver one injured and then their wide receiver two that you drafted late could become a wide receiver one and then you're not even sitting pretty like back up back up wide receiver for the rams at this point he could end up going crazy now that uh cooper cup might be hurt like there's so many so many things to think about in this year's nfl draft nfl sorry, fantasy draft especially with all the injuries and and trades and just there's so much going on it's really early to have a draft right now for us like unfortunately we had to do it because 
we are going off to school soon, but man, uh, it's it's just crazy right now. Yeah, and I mean, yes, we are going to school, but don't worry, the podcast will continue, everyone. So that's good, but. Jonathan Taylor, and we could even insert Josh Jacobs in here. There's like just this dispute amongst running backs, and the fact I said I'd share, I shared it with you because of B. John Robinson's bonus. He is expected to be the highest paid running back this season. He is a rookie running back who, honestly, even I think he's going to be an elite running back, but you have Al Jaleer. Cordero Patterson, and then obviously him and your running attack. So he might not get as many yards as people think. Yes, he might be a dual threat, but the fact that a rookie running back is going to be the highest paid at his position, that's crazy to me. And I get NFL is a business. Running backs absorb the most contact out of any player. That's just the nature of the sport. But I feel like when you're a team like the Colts and Raiders, for that matter, where the running back is sort of your main guy. You give him the 16, 17, 18 million dollars he's asking for, but maybe over two or three years at a time. That way, the running back gets his money. Might not be the length he desires, but the running back still gets the money he wants. And I feel like the organizations and players going to meet on that. Jim Ursay for tweeting what he did. I don't know why he did that. And then to come out and say that wasn't directed to Jonathan Taylor. Like, I know for a fact that is. Because the Colts are trying to sort of jeopardize this man's well-being. Because if they make him sit out, he loses on so much money. He's still a restricted free agent. After next season, if he sits out, if he plays, he's an unrestricted free agent. So... He could bounce regardless. But Jonathan Taylor now called out the Colts on Twitter saying there was no back pain, no ankle pain, nothing. And just crazy what's going on. I feel like when a superstar star requests a trade, you trade him immediately because like right now, his trade value is going to be decreasing. There's still the interest will be the same, but now teams are going to offer less for him because he's clearly so disgruntled. I think Taylor gets traded. Jacobs is interesting because it's looking like he may hold out. And so I don't know what the Raiders, the Raiders should, they were reportedly close with Jacobs, but they should pay him. Like you have Devontae Adams. Without Jacobs, you don't compete, plain and simple. It's not just Garoppolo and Adams. You traded Darren Waller, too, which was the most confusing move of the offseason for any team, really. And so I think the running back situation is just a huge mess, especially in terms of Taylor and Jacobs. What do you think? Yeah, it really is a huge mess. And for Jonathan Taylor, I personally feel like whatever team he does end up getting traded to, I feel like his production is going to go down because like they, like the report said, they're asking for a first-round pick, but I don't think a team like the Texans or one of those bottom teams that can use a running back and would use them all the time, I don't think they can give it the first-round pick, but a team like the Bills or something like that, where, or even the Chiefs, where they can give up the first-round pick, a late first-round pick, 
and just use him just to have that part of their team, have, have the run game available. I think that's good for the team, obviously, but I just don't think it's good for his production if you're trying to get him in fantasy football. Uh, and then for Josh Jacobs, yeah, like you said, I, like we keep saying, like, he really just needs to get paid by the Raiders because the Raiders are not going anywhere without Josh Jacobs. As much as, as much stupid as it may sound because it's just Josh, it's Josh Jacobs, not exactly the best player in the whole NFL or anything, but when you have Jimmy Garoppolo on your team, you need a running back, a good running back, in order to survive, in order to strive, because he's not going to throw consistently well to Devontae Adams, to Hunter Renfro, to whoever else wide receivers they have. He's not going to throw consistently to them as much as as much as you may want him to, as much as you might try his best to. It's just not his best ability. His best ability is to have that run game with him so that he has a chance to get, to get for the receivers to get open and check it down to them and then make them do all the work, which is exactly how the Niners were so good. I agree. And, I mean, those are great points. Like, I feel like if you have a huge weapon like Jacobs and Taylor on your team, obviously I don't think the Colts compete with or without Taylor, but they have a better shot at maybe competing, making some noise if Taylor is on the team. He's one of the most important guys. Jacobs is one of the most important guys. I don't care what position it is. You pay the man that has been the face of your franchise. Not necessarily the face of your franchise, but one of the best players in your franchise for that season. But we'll, thank you for tuning in to episode 72 of Everything Sports with Amon and Evan. See you guys next week for episode 73, where maybe Jonathan Taylor could get traded. Who knows? We will see. But thank you guys for listening. See you next week.